The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we are catching up with Tony McClure, Managing Director of Silver Mines. Now, as its name suggests, Silver Mines has the precious metal as a key focus, but it's more than that, as I'll get Tony to explain in a moment. The company's code is SVL, or Sierra Victor Yankee. It's trading at 8.6 cents for a market cap of about 61 million. Now, Australia is a big producer of silver, due mainly to South 32's Cannington mine in northwest Queensland. But if it is a pure silver play you are after, there are silver mines and not much else. The silver market itself is an interesting space at the moment, with gold's moved to more than 14.30 US an ounce, which is a record uh, 2,100 in the Aussie dollars, starting to take silver along for the ride. Silver averaged 15.71 an ounce last year and has moved up to 16.22 recently. We'll get Tony's thoughts on where to from here for silver in a moment. What can be said is that for the long term, silver's gold ratio has been about 63. At the moment, it is 88 times. If it were to move back towards the long run average, the silver price would light up. So lots to talk about, but first I'll get Tony to give us a bit of a feel for his professional background and what led him to becoming MD of Silver Mines. G'day Tony and welcome to the show. Thanks Barry, great to be here. Right, so if you could uh, Tony, just spend a little bit of time telling us about your professional background and uh, some of your early years as geologist and what led you to Silver Mines? Well, yeah, I'm a geologist by trade, um, uh, yeah, mostly Australian-based, but I, I guess I've worked um, in different parts of the globe. Um, the last uh, uh, last 15 years or so has been a few companies that we've um, uh, that we've we've had um, good success with. Uh, probably the most notable one was um, Bolnisi Gold through the Norman Seckold camp. Um, Bolnisi was, um, well, effectively the last um, real silver company on the ASX, and, and that was an asset that um, that was in, in Mexico, um, superb discovery. Um, it was through the last silver cycle, and so um, exploration success coupled with a, um, a, a very strong bull market in silver um, led to a very significant re-rating of, of that company. It was eventually bought out. So this was a, effectively a startup company. It was eventually bought out for um, uh, 1.2 um, um, billion uh, US dollars. Um, that was you know, a bit over 10 years ago. So very good success. Um, that asset was two-thirds of the value. That was silver, and that's um, given some... Uh, Certainly, some silver credentials from from our part, and uh, we've been off in in other companies as well. Um, uh, Nickel Mines Limited was something that was um, listed last year. Um, I'm a previous board member of that, and that's um, very highly successful now. Um, silver Mines Limited was um, it's been been around on the ASX for some time. Different management previously, uh, we got control of it in mid 2016. Um, and um, and we and we we've been looking around for silver assets for some time, 
um, offshore in Australia. Um, silver is a little bit unusual in Australia, as you pointed out. You've got the Cannington Mine. You've got other um, other operations where silver's a byproduct credit, but um, uh, very few, or effectively outside of Cannington, there's no real pure silver plays. Um, fortunately for us, we we came across the the Bowden Silver asset, which was um, was held by Kingsgate Consolidated, um, and Kingsgate. Um, they got into a bit of strife in in what they were doing up in Thailand, and and that led to a, um, a significant sort of you know um, different thinking going on in that company, and and we were in the room, and and we were, we were happy to, to step in and and um, and purchase that asset. So that that was um, consummated mid two thousand sixteen. So we're just gone. Uh, three years into the project, um, the, what we inherited was um, a project. A, a lot of work had been done, um, um, you know, a lot of drilling had been done, uh, various uh, scoping studies in 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 the in the mine development, um, and then we came in. We we took it to the next level. So, um, yeah, that, that's a little, little bit of background um, there. Right now. Uh the project is uh, near Mudgee, which is famous for wine, I think, perhaps, if they think they are, anyway. Indeed. <laughs> um, I think you're about 30 k's away. Um, uh, early on, there was some pushback from uh, some locals, but I understand the uh, last three years, through lots of engagement, that's been uh, smoothed over and people looking forward to a development there at some stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, well, you know, the development is, you know, that part of the world, um, you know, it's, it's where we are, we're to the south of the, of the, of the Hunter. Um, and as you're well aware, Barry, you know, in the Hunter, uh, big coal mine developments and, and a few of those developments have had uh, opposition in the past. Um, we're very different given that we're, we're certainly outside of the, the Hunter and, and we're not in, you know, um, Category One agricultural um, area. We're outside of the wine winery uh, district, or well outside. Um, and uh, locally, um, although we, we're, we're near a, a small, small, small township, um, uh, but the local townships um, have had, um, you know, sort of a mixed history. Um, Ralston, Candos are the two closest uh, towns outside of Mudgee. Um, and they've had um, industrial success over time, in particular Candos uh, with the cement works and coal mining and, and whatever. That's all closed down. So it's a mm-hmm. very stressed part of the world at the moment. In, indeed, that area is one of the lowest um, socioeconomic uh, parts of New South Wales or indeed Australia. So um, you could just imagine that um, those those jurisdictions are, are crying out for investment, and and um, we don't solve all that. We don't solve all those problems, uh, but we make a big dent in it, and um, we have a you know uh, we will have a significant employee base, and and but uh, it's it's it, it, that that provides a lot of um, um, investment locally, but outside of that, you have a the service industries around the mining um, is. Um, uh, goes into um, a, a very positive period as well. So, generally, locally, um, the the mine is well supported. There's always opposition. Um, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that, but we don't have the the issues that, um, that some of the others might have up in the up in the Hunter Valley, where you might be consuming a township and you've got a big you know coal footprint or whatever it might be. We don't we don't have those um, 
mm. um, issues. But uh, but generally, we're well accepted. Um, we've we spent a lot of time on that, and and uh, uh, but on on the whole, the the, the community is, is is crying out for this project to go ahead. Uh, from an environmental point of view, we we don't have um, any significant um, issues with. Um, uh, with the development, so you know the water issue's been been solved, and um, in terms of dust and noise, all that sort of stuff, we're we're um, um, we've ticked all those boxes. Um, that's um, it, it, we, and we don't have any you know sort of real issues in in how the project may move forward and and be approved. We're we're almost at this submission level for development approval. Right. Okay. Um... Uh, it's said to be the uh, biggest undeveloped silver deposit in Australia. Could you just run through how big it is uh, in terms of ounces? Yeah, well, indeed, indeed, it's well, it's 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 one of the one of the largest undeveloped silver projects globally mm. as well. So um, certainly the largest in Australia. Um, well, you got Cannington there, but that's developed, um, and outside of that, uh, yeah, there's a few silver deposits around New South Wales, which are small, high grade, but this is um, quite quite different to. Um, uh, to anything very unusual for Australia, you know, silver um, is typically or putting Cannington aside in central Queensland, but silver has very much been Mexico, Peru, other parts of um, South and, and Latin America, um, uh, a little bit in the US. Uh, but really, this is a very unusual uh, project to be um, um, uh, to be where it is. It's it was originally discovered by CRA. Mm -hmm. Um, that was in the early 90s. Uh, they did a bit of work on it. Um, silver wasn't their directive at the, at the time. Um, silver Standard uh, later came in from uh, North America, and that was when um, Silver Standard was initially uh, put together by Rick Rule and, and Bob Quartermain. So those highly, highly successful uh, mining entrepreneurs out of, out of North America, and they came into Australia on the back of this project. Um, very... Um, uh, very positive on silver at the time, and they uh, spent a bunch of uh, money on it. Um, but that was before Silver Standard got into development. So after um, uh, Rick Rule and Bob Quartermain left, uh, Silver Standard then went on to uh, be a, um, a significant uh, silver development company. But before then, it was about um, um, investing in assets and then moving those assets on. So this project was the first real asset that Silver Standard had. So they spent a bit of money on it. They sold it to Kingsgate for seventy-five million, um, and uh, and um, um, so you know a lot of work had been done. And then Kingsgate taking taking it over was um, um, uh, led to you know, further investment in the in, in the project, of, of course. Mm. Has uh, Rick from the Sprock Group, of course, has he returned recently through a placement in the, the company? Well, um, he, well, certainly the name Sprott has. So yes, yeah. Rick Rule is, is involved with Spot, but um, um, the um, it's the um, Sprott asset management side of Sprott has has recently come in. Sprott is a you know is a is a big. Um, uh, principally resource investment company, um, hugely successful. Yes, Rick Rawl is, is involved with that. Um, and uh, um, Eric Sprott himself is is, um, is no longer with, with the group, but uh, you know, Eric Sprott is, is um, certainly out there. What's really interesting with Sprott, Sprott um, recently, and, and certainly that's, this crystallised uh, the investment in Silver Mines Limited, was uh, their view on silver. They've taken a, a very positive 
uh, view on silver, although their investment is, is small in us for the moment. Their investment was a million dollars initially, uh, but we see that um, hopefully increasing over time. But that was the view of um, Sprott looking for undervalued quality silver assets around the market. Um, and uh, and we were there, so we're absolutely delighted to, to, to have them involved. Um, uh, Rick Rule is, is, um, uh, knows this asset uh, quite well, and, and um, you know, occasionally we've, we've caught up to discuss it, and, and um, I think uh, this is one of those assets in a bull silver market that is going to perform particularly well. Mm. The, uh, I, I think the uh, plan is to... Uh, for a 17-year mine life, uh, producing 53 million ounces of silver plus zinc and lead. Um, how far off do you think you are from making a commitment to a development? Yeah, so well, well, just on, on, on those numbers, Barry, so um, uh, just to quantify the, the size of the project, so um, from a mineral resource um, point of view, we've got um, 160-odd million ounces of silver, so it's very significant. When you roll zinc and lead credits into it as well, that totals uh, a bit over 270 million ounces of silver. Um, the deposit is open, hasn't been fully drilled out. Um, we're going to be um, announcing more more uh, work that's going to be done um, adjoining uh, and underneath the project um very shortly, but uh, certainly that 270 uh, odd million ounces of silver equivalent is um, we view will significantly increase uh, with time. Falling into so we completed the feasibility uh, midway through last year, and falling into the reserve credit category is about um, about 100 million ounces of, of silver equivalent. So 66 million ounces of that is um, that silver itself, and then the balance in um, and zinc and, and, and lead credits. So, yeah, 16, 17-year mine life. Um, uh, the beauty of the project is the ore body is outcropping. It's on a topographic high. So the initial years of production, we have very, very low strip ratios. So mining costs are, are particularly low, um, and that allows us to um, uh, to get into um, you know, very strong cash flows in those initial years um, that carry... Um, a big part of you know sort of the payback of, of development costs and so forth. So um, it's a um, you know it's a it's a large project. Um, it does have the potential to to expand over the time. We we can't quantify that just yet. But um, uh, with the work they're going to be doing in the future, we're going to have a closer look at what is lying underneath. So when I mentioned before that the um, uh, the project, uh, the resource hasn't been drilled out. At depth, we, we have been getting um, very strong um, and uh, good intercepts of um, high-grade silver at depth. So, you know, sort of five up to 15 metres um, intercepts of, you know, three, four, five hundred grams silver. Mm. And that, those sort of intercepts are up there with some of the best um, operations that you might see in, in, um, in uh, South or or, uh, or Central America. So we're really excited about that. We can't say yet that we're going to have an underground mine in the future, but there's certainly potential there for um, uh, for that. So over, over the next uh, while, next few years, we'll certainly have a closer look at that. But um, but certainly some of that work that's been done at, uh, at depth, none of that is, is falling into even the resource category yet. So we know it's there. It hasn't been drilled out. Um, it's deeper drilling. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll put more investment into that as we, as we go forward. 
Um, in terms of the um, uh, the approval process, so as, as I mentioned, we're close to um, finish finishing our environmental impact statement. That'll be shortly submitted to uh, government for approvals. We're not seeing any roadblocks on that. Um, it's a fairly, fairly benign uh, project, so we don't have any fundamental issues that we need to be concerned about um, flowing in from that. We never, we we, we can never you know, put a time to it, but um, we would expect a, a reasonably rapid um, approval process. So, uh, with a bit of luck, by the end of uh, 2020 or or you know, you know, t- 2021, we should have approvals. Uh, development is um, uh, is obviously co- uh, contingent on that development consent. Um, uh, and also, um, we want to see a more positive environment for silver. And we're seeing it now, uh, which is good. So we're seeing that increase in silver. We want to see it higher. Um, but uh, I think yeah, we want to kick this off in a in a robust robust part of the market. And um, as you well know, Barry, the you know silver um, silver price um, when it's in in bullish territory can be um, you know, particularly exciting and and that pro that the the increase in the silver price is going to lend itself um, in a very positive form in in how this project's going to be developed mm. so uh, I'd mentioned earlier silver is what 1620 uh, an ounce at what price is it all systems go oh, I'd like to see twenty dollars um, um, silver that's 20 us um, but the, the project does it right now. So, you know, silver price at the moment is in, in when you look at Aussie dollars, and obviously we're spending Aussie, Aussie dollars. So, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, 22 to 24, whatever it is at the moment. But um, our cash costs in, in, in the development is around about the $15 Aussie mark. So there's a, there's a very solid mar- margin right now. Um, we always want to see better prices. I think from our perspective, we want to be um, uh, locking away uh, prices, certainly covering operating costs um, in the in the initial years. Um, but um, in any case, if we were kicking off now, we've we've got a pretty good margin to where it is um, uh, to, compared to where the pricing is now. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's very clear. It's just you know, uh, getting onto the silver price in a way. It's very clear that we're heading into a very positive period, as you mentioned. Uh, Barry, the um, the gold silver price ratio is is high. In fact, uh, now it is at you know, uh, twenty five year highs, and when we've seen those uh, limits again, the, the last bull run was you know ten years ago. But the uh, price silver ratio is is basically off to, off the chart, even compared to the uh, the lead up to the last bull run. Um, but that's certainly uh, you know when it gets up to these levels of eighty ninety. Um, uh, you know, that's the gold price divided by the silver price. Um, it's it's that's the precursor to a, a bull run, and um, and we're we're seeing the start of that now. So last even the last few weeks to see the price move uh, reasonably strongly. Yes, on the back of the um, um, off, on on the back of the, the um, a strong uh, gold price, but um, history repeats, right? And and when you see that gold silver ratio up around the eighties nineties. Um, there is always a correction, a long-term average, a bit over 60, um, and that's when you see silver prices head up to 20, 25. Last uh, bull run got up, up, up over 30. Um, and, and that's what the spots of this world are seeing at the moment. So, you know, there's, there's, a, a, there's a part of the market. Yes, silver is a, is a small part of the market compared to um, 
compared to gold, but um, as North American equities um, in silver um, have just started to kick, and um, uh, and people are looking around at okay, what's what are the undervalued undervalued assets? As you quickly pointed out before, Barry, we're the only one on the ASX. There was a few other um, smaller guys, but um, with any substance in terms of the um, um, the development operation and and the size of the project and the attractiveness of the project. We're the only one on the ASX, and so it's great for us to see the North Americans uh, coming down and, and playing in their market. They're the silver experts, and, and that's exactly what happened to us with um, Bolognese. We're encouraging the North Americans in. Um, uh, parts of Europe were heavily invested. We're seeing part of that. We've also got the Gold 2000 fund out of Zurich who have been um, investing, um, and that's just going to continue. Uh, next few months are going to be... Interesting, uh, we're off in North America in, in September and I think uh, silver is going to be a, a very topical um, uh, subject. Yeah, well, they say uh, WA lights up with $2,000 gold. Let's hope Mudgy lights up with $25 silver. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, just quickly, the uh, I mentioned in the introduction that the company is more than Bowden's. Um, you have the Barra Bowler uh, project about 10 kilometres away. That is, what are you looking there uh, for there? Is it a big uh, porphyry? Yeah, well, the, the, just go back in time a bit, Barry. So part of the um, the attractiveness of, of the acquisition back in 2016 was, was of course, the silver, but also um, on the exploration potential. We own um, close to, well, a bit over 2,000 square kilometres, so we have a vast uh, track of land. Um, what attracted us in outside of the silver was... was um, not a lot of work had been done outside of the silver assets. So um, the, the, the period prior to us, about $60 million had been spent on the project and almost the entirety of that had been spent um, at the Bowden Silver uh, deposit. Um, very little was done underneath it. Um, uh, very little was done along strike north and south of it and certainly nothing had been done um, regionally. Uh, when we got involved, um, particularly when we looked at, at Bowden Silver, we, we were, and, and with our experience with, with Balmese and so forth, we wanted to understand further, why is this unusual asset indeed there? You know, what, what's underneath? What's what's the, are there feeder zones? Is there a porphyry system underneath? Um, uh, is there other commodities that we um, we should be looking for underneath and, and, and what's going on? And very little or, or close to no work have been done historically Um um, go figure, but that's 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 the way we came across. So that was hugely attractive um, for us to come in and have a, cl- a closer look at that. Um, with the initial work we did in the first twelve months, we added about a hundred million ounces of, of silver equivalent to uh, the Bowden system. As I mentioned before, that's still open. As we drilled a bit deeper, we started to see gold coming into the system. A little bit of copper. Um, we see um, stronger zinc and lead grades as we get deeper down. Um, um, as I mentioned before, we get uh, some zones of high, very high-grade silver, which uh, may well lead to you know, looking at underground operations in, in the future. Um, so from an exploration point of view, that's, you know, that's been particularly exciting. We've had um, good success in that. Um, uh, we'll, we'll have more to say on what we're going to be doing with that in the future, and we're, and we're looking at um, uh, various programs to be having a, a, a giving that a real shake underneath um, the Bowdens and, and adjoining the, the, the Bowdens uh, project. Further to the north, you mentioned uh, Barabalar. Barabalar is something that was um, was highlighted by um, Anglo, Anglo-American 
in the mid-1970s. They were out there. They did a little bit of work. Um, uh, they, they um, you know, it was sort of um, reconnaissance work. And, and when we got involved, we had a look at their work that we were doing. And they came across various prospects, um, some copper, gold, um, the uh, lead, zinc, silver, uh, whatever. And these are all little prospect areas, um, old mines, whatever. And so we we went up there and and um, been doing you know, systematic work, a uh, lot of um, geological mapping and and reconnaissance, you know, soil work, whatever. Um, and we've we've pretty comprehensively um, uh, combed over that area. And as it turns out, those all those prospect areas that Anger were looking at um, is indeed has turned into the one project. So what we're seeing there, we're seeing mineralised scarn that's striking uh, well well over five kilometres. Um, it's a it's an in outcrop. So we're viewing that as a a very exciting uh, uh, potential porphyry copper gold uh, zone. To put it into context, and 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 it, yeah, we don't draw similarities to um, uh, to Cadia Ridgeway, but um, but yeah, when when you look at the out, what we see in outcrop, um, um, it's very very similar to what Cadia and and what Newcrest were looking at down near Orange. Uh, we're about hundred kilometres, hundred twenty kilometres away from that zone. We've through our work, um, uh, uh, the previous work had had thought about this area to be um, something that is uh, much much younger than the Cadia Ridgeway system, the uh, porphyry mm. system. Our work, and we've done a lot of work with um, well, ourselves. Um, a lot of work uh, through uh, the University of New South Wales, which has been great for us, great for the university. Where you know we've had um, uh, students and professors and so forth um, doing a lot of work on site, and they've done they've done some absolutely fantastic work. A lot of dating work as well, and we've proven that that system is the same age as the Cadia Ridgeway system. So we've proven that this is part of the, the Lachlan Fold Belt, part of the Macquarie Arc. And we own the bulk of um, that part of the arc or part of that fold belt over over this side. So, um, 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 and previous previous operators thought that it didn't have the potential of what they saw, you know, down near you know, Orange and, and and elsewhere. We're certainly showing that it's it's quite different. We're in the same age rocks. We've seen the same structure. We see that outcropping mineralised scarn. We've done a, um, a bit of work up there. We've been recently drilling. Uh, we've seen some areas in gold, um, outcropping gold. Uh, we're hugely encouraged by that. It needs a lot more work, no doubt about it. Um, but it's a it's a very exciting exploration play. Um, arguably, we're, we're not doing enough work up there. We're, we want to expand on that. We will be expanding on that. Um, but the, the the system is it's a we we what we've demonstrated to date is a vast mineralised system, and now it's zeroing into uh, where we can find uh, the porphyry system and and um, and hopefully uh, uh, mineralisation that's you know obviously economically extractable in in um, copper and gold. So um, yeah, it's a really interesting mm. um, exploration play, and I encourage. Uh, people to look at our, our releases on it and, and keep an eye on, on what we're doing up there. Right, okay. Well, Tony, you've outlined an interesting story there, nice mix of, uh, you know, the backbone asset at uh, Bowdens and uh, potentially a lot of exploration excitement to come in the uh, hunt for uh, that region's uh, big copper gold potential. So thanks very much for your time today and all the best with it. Thanks so much, Barry. 